Welcome as we continue our journey into this horror subgenre for the month of October. The, today we're talking about sci-fi horror once again. And this week we're talking movies and we're going to be talking to another two films, 1995 Species and the 2020 Russian film Sputnik. Chris, if I'm here, shit has definitely hit the fan. <laughs> this one was a tough one. I couldn't get any quotes from Sputnik, but from Species I've got, should I leave a message? Yeah. Tell me he's about to copulate with a creature from outer space. Yet. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of How'd You Like That Movie? And as Scott said, we're going to be talking about the 1995 film Species and the 2020 Russian film Sputnik. So Scott, let's kick it off with Sput... Uh, actually, let's kick it off with Species. Okay. Take us away. This is in my so bad it's good kind of film thing, because fuck, this movie's so bad. Would you consider this a B-movie? Yeah. yeah Even I with... Even with the uh, $35 million budget? Yeah. Yeah? I, I, w- I would consider it, it, it fucking plays like a B-movie. <laughs> 100% it does. <laughs> and the funny thing is, like, thinking about this, like, me being 14 years old and sneaking into the theater because this was a rated R film just to fucking see some boobies. Like, the whole thing. And now I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I, I would argue that, and I mean, I think there would be some critics that would back me up on this. This, uh, as I said, this had a $35 million budget and it made $113 million at the box office that uh, the nudity on the part of the beautiful Natasha Hensbridge, who, by the way, from Newfoundland, Canada, uh, was one of the main reasons. Like, dudes were going to see this film because they wanted to see her. True. Like, for myself, I was being 14, you know, going through puberty and all that, but... Also, I was a big Alien and Aliens fan. And then watching, like, knowing H.R. Geiger is, like, dr- like, designing these creatures again. Like, I wanted to go see that. But I still can't believe this movie fucking has a franchise. Like, <laughs> Well, so before we move on, though, you know, just on, on the topic of H.R. Uh, Geiger. Uh, so, yeah, he worked on the Alien franchises, Poltergeist 2. We just did an episode on Poltergeist, so if you want to check us out from last week. Um, and he actually, he got an Academy Award for the FX team on the original Alien, like the, mm-hmm. which is pretty amazing. No, like he, in this film, I was reading when we were going through the rabbit hole, the train sequence that happened. Yep. He's the one that put in a hundred grand of his own money to film that scene because they were going to cut it out and he was like no it was important well and i think again some of the research i found too he actually wanted to show more changes Mm -hmm. and stuff like that so that's amazing that he actually was like willing to put his own money up just because it's like this is this is this film's not going to work if we don't show some of this yeah you can really see his style in um i guess the the aliens actually called sill in this one yeah like you can really see that kind of like human not almost kind of mechanized the same thing you see in the xenomorph um in the alien franchise yeah this one was way more sexualized than alien uh yeah yeah no i mean like the alien design as well like because you see the boob features like you see 
Well, like, and I, more... I wonder if that has more to do with the fact that, uh, like, the xenomorph, like, basically breaks out of you. It doesn't, except when you get into, like, Alien 3, it, it takes on a lot, I guess it takes on a lot less of the characteristics of the host. Where in this, it was almost like 50-50 because it's genetically spliced. Yes. So, yeah, before we move on too far, basically, people are trying to talk to space. Space sends down, and by space, I mean aliens. They basically send down a genetic code. So, of course, like, what do we do? We try and grow it. Uh, That embryo turns into a baby that uh, quickly develops. And actually, the baby is played by Michelle Williams, which is one of her earlier roles. Uh, who she was fa- famous famous for you know Brokeback Mountain, Blue Valentine, Manchester by the Sea, and Dawson's Creek. I totally forgot that she was on Dawson's Creek. Yeah, that would have been right around when this came out, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, and then of course the the baby grows up into an alien after it escapes, and then the rest of the movie is basically Michael Madison trying to chase it down and kill it and make cool cool jokes and stuff. <laughs> If you're talking about the last, like, 20 minutes of the movie in terms of cool jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's a fun alien romp, I guess. Yeah, like, it's, like, in my head, when you you pick this movie, I'm like, oh, I remember this movie. Like, I think I, we we picked this movie. Yeah, Don't, yeah, don't sure. put this all on me. No, I think it was We picked this movie. Like, thinking, watching it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is totally something fucking Chris made me watch. <laughs> <laughs> but... I had never even seen this movie before. What are you talking about? This you never have? This was 100% your idea. Oh, my God. But, yeah, I think it was just the hormones of a 14-year-old boy, like, thinking back in the nostalgia. But after watching this, I'm like... So was this the first time you had revisited this film since... Yeah, since it watching fantastic? it. Yeah, since I, you know, thought boobies were fantastic. But, um, yeah, like, it, it's funny. Like, nobody in this movie fucking likes this movie. You like, mean the people who have been in it? Yeah, like Michael Madsen said, this is a piece of shit. Michelle Williams won't talk about it because people tease her about this movie. Really? Yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, the The one thing that I did find interesting was the sex scene between um, Marg and Michael Madsen was 100% improvised by them. Oh, really? Yeah, the director just said, go ahead and just pretend you guys are two drunk fucking people having sex. And make it happen. Yeah. Which is one of the only times I can remember that a woman's like, stand up, because she's going to blow the guy first before starting. Like, usually in movies, it's just like, you know, sensual, lovemaking. And, there, and there's no and foreplay. And you're thinking, like, she was the one who was like, this is how I would do this. <laughs> who this, knows? Quite this is, possibly. This is how I would do this on CSI. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, this the cast in this, this is one of these weird films where it's like, you actually have a pretty solid cast as far as like the acting ability. So you've got Sir Ben Kinsley. Okay. Mm -hmm. This guy was like Royal Shakespeare company. He's got four Academy award nominations. He's got a win. He's got a Grammy. He did Gandhi Schindler's list house of sand and fog and sexy beast. But I would actually argue that both him and Forrest Whitaker, who obviously last King of Scotland got his Academy award, did the Butler, the crime game. I would almost consider them like film mercenaries. Like they're high, like high quality actors, but if you pay them enough money, they will be in your shitty film. You know what I mean? Like Nick Cage. 
like Nick Cage. I would say, they're, but they're better actors than Nick Cage. Nick Cage definitely had his day. And I mean, that's definitely something we'll talk about on other podcasts when it comes to Crazy Nick. Uh, but both these guys are like really, really well-trained, Oscar-winning actors. And you often will find them in horrible, shitty movies and then stuff like this. Like, this is B-movie, you know, drivel kind of thing. Um, but even Michael Madison, like, he was in Donnie Brasco. Obviously, if you're into Tarantino, Reservoir Dogs, the Kill Bill series, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, and Hateful Eight. Do you know he's a published poet? No. Yeah. He's supposedly, like, referred to as being similar to, like, 50s and 60s style, like, beat poetry. Like, he's supposedly actually a really good poet. So I'm going to put that on my list of, you know, poets to check out in, in the next couple of days. <laughs> poets to check like, Or shit, I never thought I would look up. <laughs> well, I never would have thought that Michael Madison, Mr. Like, cut your ear off to stuck in the middle with you, is also waxing poetically about things. You know what I mean? Hey, you can't judge a book by its cover. This is true. He's fantastic, though, man. I love him in, like, Donnie Brasco and stuff. Like, yeah. he's always just, like... That kind of shady, tough guy character, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's one of the things that I'm kind of disappointed that we never got the Vega Brothers movie, right? What him, do you mean? Him and him and Travolta. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That that could have gone. That could have worked out, or maybe not. And I have heard that about this idea that like you would get this crossover between Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction because they're both like the Vega Brothers. But it also could have been fucking horrible, right? So maybe some things are just good in the imagination of Quentin Tarantino. See, in my imagination, it was like a hardcore rated R Blues Brothers where they fucking come out of jail and just fucking run rampant. Like just tear it up? Just tear it up. You know what? I never actually thought about it in that context. Okay, yes, I will see that movie, but Tarantino still got to write it. Which now there's no point. Like they're way too old. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unless you recast, and you know went at it in a, like from a different like with it, you recast and redid the whole thing. Yeah, but I think part of it too is them playing it right. Yeah, like, but so enough about that. Anyway, yeah, enough about that. Uh, I guess the audience and the critics kind of are in the same boat as you. Uh, this thing's got a forty-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and the audience. I'm actually surprised the audience did worse than gave it worse than the critics. It's got a 31% from the audience. I don't know how the critics are because sometimes people are like, yeah, that was fun. I saw some boobies. I saw some aliens. Some shit got lit on fire. And the critics don't know what the fuck they're talking about. The critics actually think it's better than the audience, which that boggles my mind. But again, I think in terms of audience score, you're just having that recently. And it's probably a lot of people rewatching it. You know what? That's true. Because I, because, because, Modern movies are more accurately portrayed in Rotten Tomatoes than older films. Either they're considered like so good and they're amazing or they get horrible scores. Yeah. So if you think about it, like back then, back in 1995, I'm sure there was like senses, but they weren't really recording it. And now it's just people like myself, 40 year olds going back and watching it. Like, I can't believe I fucking like this movie. Well, and I wonder sometimes, too, if it's like because your expectations are like. I know it's radio and you can't see where my hand is, but my hand is above my head. And so you come in with this expectation, then you're like, what the fuck? I think this this is my poltergeist, right? The original, where you hate the original now. Yeah, I would actually rather watch Species than the original poltergeist again, because that was fucking horrible. Yeah, it's just because you want to look at the boobies again. The, the, bo- the Come on, the boobies are nice. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. 
Uh, I don't know if I need uh, an hour and 48 minute film where that's like one of the big, uh, you know, points of watching this film. Um, I probably would have cut, actually, I'd probably make this an hour and a half movie and cut about 18 minutes out of it and tighten up the editing. I think you could go back in, edit some of this stuff. up. Like there's that scene where they're like chatting over drinks. Like that, that, that scene's like eight minutes long. It's like, what, what the fuck? Who cares? Like, just get in there, chop this sucker up. Yeah. And, uh, make it a better film to watch, tighten up the editing. And I think it'd move along a little bit better. I mean, the director has done some great stuff. Roger Donaldson. He did cocktail, which I think is super fun. Dante's peak, the recruit, the bank job. And I'm actually really looking forward to this documentary he did on McLaren. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, do you know when you're talking about um, Ben Keasley, do you know who originally was supposed to get cast as that role? Who? Pierce Brosnan. But he had to back down because of Goldeneye. Really? Yeah. Also kind of a shitty movie. What? Goldeneye? Goldeneye? Yes. What are the fucking best or better bonds? Fuck that. We're not having a bond talk right now. Uh, But yeah, Goldeneye is not fantastic. Actually, you know what? You're right. Goldeneye is still better than, what is it, Die Another Day? The one yeah, with Madonna? I'm just saying, just in terms of Bond movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Like, okay. Yeah. One I, of the better Bonds. I will concede that position. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm glad this is recorded. <laughs> um, and so this film's written by uh, Dennis Fieldman, who wrote The Golden Child. I think he got about 300 grand to do that. And he had an uncredited role in the 1969 film The Wild Bunch, because his dad, well, his dad was the producer. Well, you know, it pays to have friends in high places. Especially your dad. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really have much else to talk about this. Oh, actually, sorry. So Alfred uh, Molina, I am probably butchered that. Um, some interesting stuff on him. So obviously a lot of people, I think, know him from Spider-Man 2 because he plays Dr. Octopus. Yeah, he's one of the better like uh, comic book villains. Oh, yeah, ever. 100%. He plays Dr. Octopus fantastically. He does a ton of voiceover work. He's like Frozen 2 and stuff. But as I was reading some stuff on him, so the opening scene of Indiana Jones, right? When that's he's got him. To, yeah, yes. That's him. I was like, oh, yeah. you, you know, you threw me the idol. I'll throw you the whip. And then he gets all killed by the, the people at the end, the yeah. indigenous people. Um, and then he also plays, have you seen Boogie Nights? Yes. Okay. Remember when they're like, it's later in the film and they're all like poor and broke and they go to sell that fake cocaine to that guy who's like smoking crack and lighting fireworks off in his house or whatever. Okay. That's him. The coked out guy. I was like, wow, he's this like fantastic little character actor. The coked out guy. That's literally what my notes say. Boogie nights, coked out guy. Anyway, (laughs) I don't have much more to talk about on this film. Uh, I think it's good. As I've said, I think you could edit it down a bit. It's got actually a really cool, like early nineties, like kind of house music, soundtrack going on to it um the last i almost wish that this film would have been more like the last 15 minutes when they're like crawling around and it's it's got much more of that like traditional kind of like spooky thriller alien feel um too much of this movie was like the stuff in the city there was just too much time i mean i know she was trying to you know she had to get impregnated so they had to do that but again, I think if they would have just edited this down, this could have been a great movie. Um, yeah, you... I think it was just, yeah, I can't even put to words like my disappointment in this film. But uh, but again, it, it would be one of those. It's so bad. It's good kind of thing. Right. Like, do, it's just... do you think it's do you think it moves into the cult status? 
I don't know if it would be considered cult, right? Because it's got what two? It's got two other films, two I think and three. Like three sequels. Well, and it also has a it has a TV show, I think. And it had graphic novels and uh, like novel novel, I think, made off of it. So, I mean, there's definitely a, a group of people that really like this film, or at least the concept. Yeah, like for me, like in terms of if. We- if we went sequel instead of like now a guy being infected, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I actually liked kind of like the comment that was made at the end. Like what, what sequence of that DNA made her the predator? Like if you think about it, what if like the aliens actually were nice and shit, but infusing it with human DNA made it go fucking crazy. And then you actually have the aliens kind of being peaceful, but kind of there. But we're, we're it's like the, that, we're it's the that predator, like, philosophical right? idea of like, were the aliens bad or was it us? Yeah. And kind of having it being like, fuck, it was the humans, right? Well, and I think, don't you think two should have actually been like that rat at the end? It should have been a whole fucking like city full of alien yeah, rats. Yeah, that would have been cool. Because then they could have just like, then you could have, it could have been like aliens. You bring in some colonial, colonial marines and you like shoot up the place, except now you're on earth. Yeah, yeah. You could have even mixed it up. Do you remember Mimic? No. With uh, Guillermo del Toro's where it was like the enhanced cockroaches that could mimic humans. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But now you have the alien rats mimicking humans kind of fucking shit. If any of you guys make these films, we want executive producer credit on it. So Yeah, or story by. (laughs) Okay, are you ready to move on to Sputnik? Yeah, let's let's go. Okay, so Sputnik 2020. So it came out this summer. It was originally supposed to come out in April, and it was supposed to premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival. Unfortunately, if you don't know, we had a pandemic, so that didn't happen. Um, Scott, what did you what did you think of Sputnik? Um, I found it interesting, right? It, it definitely wasn't what I thought it was going to be, and it's one of those that the trailer portrayed this movie a lot different than it was okay. for me, right? Like, for me... How how so? Well, I thought it was technically going to be fucking, like, Ridley Scott's alien in Russia, right? But the alien's just home, right? Like, just on Earth. But how it's just kind of technically like a medical drama for in Set in, like, Soviet-era Russia. Yeah. Like, like I thought... Did you, did you, I'm guessing you thought it was going to be like more action packed or? Yeah, I thought it was going to be more horror, more like more horror action kind of thing. Yeah. Well, they definitely took a more of a, like, I don't want to say it was a drama, more of a thriller, but there was some character development definitely between the two uh, leads, right? Like it wasn't just like he came down, he's got an alien and then like, it's trying to kill everybody. She's trying to save him, trying to separate the alien. And I mean, okay, spoiler alert, because obviously this is a brand new movie. But even at the end, you know, the alien is what's saving him and stuff. So they were definitely working with more more emotional range than you're like, you know, kill it. Ah!" Yeah, like for me, I was like, okay, whoever, like I'm not even going to try to pronounce the the man who wrote this um, name. But he literally just took Venom with Arrival, mixed them together, and then that's what it was. Well, it's interesting because when I was... So the direct, this is directed by Igor... Okay, Igor Amra... 
Amber Varenko or whatever. Uh, sorry, I mean, what do we call this normally? <laughs> like, how to screw up your name podcast. Yeah. Um, so he had a short film. This is his first feature. And he had a short film called The Passenger, which when I actually went and watched the trailer for it, you could base it was basically like the nuts and bolts of what this film would become. Because it's basically about, again, a cosmonaut that comes home, but he brought home a passenger. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He also did some cool... Uh, uh, Budweiser and Visa commercials. And I noticed that there was a very distinct style to his commercials. And this film also had a really, really nice cinematic feel to it. And it's because he works with the same director of photographer or a cinematographer, which is Maxime Zukov. And yeah, they worked on passenger and a bunch of commercials together. So yeah, I thought the similar, like it was well-directed. Like I'll give them that for sure. Right, like it held my interest, but like I was saying, I think it was just one of those where the trailer portrayed it as something that definitely it was not. Same with Arrival, like that movie was portrayed one hundred percent different than yeah, yeah, yeah. what that. Um, one was. of the things, and I, I would, I would probably have the same criticism for this film as Species. This film comes in at an hour and fifty three minutes, and I, again, I would go back into editing. And I would just cut some of those scenes. They don't need to be as long. You just cut out, spoilers, everything about the kid, which is technically her background story. Yeah, what is, yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could yeah, cut just that. get rid of all of that. And then there you and go. And the movie is tighter because you would just jump. And the problem is, is you don't know if they left that in, but there was some other stuff cut that gives that more like continuity. But like, yeah, just again, I, unless it was like, was she, were they trying to kind of get to the point that, you know, he has an orphan and, or I guess he doesn't have an orphan. He has a child and she was an orphan. And that's what, like, she doesn't even need to go and get the child. Like none of that needs to happen. And her, like you said, that whole story about her as a, as a young person, just get rid of it. Yeah. Like for me, that whole subplot thing had nothing like it kind of mirrored his scenario, but it was more about how determined she was. Cause yeah. the whole point, it was like her getting off of the wheelchair, trying to grab the key to put on fucking running shoes and then just falling down, getting back up, falling down, getting back up. It showed her like persistence, but again, it didn't develop anything future. Yeah. Right? It doesn't move the plot along. It just sort of gives a nod to why she likes to go for runs is because she never could, and running shoes were like a big deal. Blah 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 blah. Right? Yeah. Um. So, on that, so the the actor that plays the female lead is Oksana uh, Akinish. Oh man, Aksina, Oksana Aksina. So she the so Thomas Lavery of Variety referred to her as a charismatic a charismatic lead performance, uh, a fine surrogate for the toughest nails heroine Ellen Ripley. Do you think that she should be her role in this should be on par with Ellen Ripley, at least in the first two aliens? No, I agree. No, like she would like to me, it would be on par of Amy Adams and arrival. Yeah. Right. But there's nothing there. Well, Ellen, Ellen Ripley actually goes out and like fights a bunch of aliens. Like she's hard as fuck in those movies. Like she's a badass motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think, like, in terms of, like, even with the the twist, spoilers, that 
everything that happens when the alien comes out of the human, the human knows. Yep. And technically the human is controlling the alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was never in any danger. Like, she was never... Yeah, never. Where, where the xenomorphs and the queen or yeah, whatever. Everything, they literally like, want to kill her until four because she comes back and she's got... Half alien. Half yeah, alien yeah. in her or whatever. If that um, That same actor, though, like, I mean, the biggest North American role she had is she had a, a role in The Born Supremacy. Really? Yeah, she plays, like, the, the like, daughter, Russian daughter of, like, an oligarch or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is going to be in a film that is coming out in a couple days that I'm actually looking forward to seeing because I watched the trailer. It's called Chernobyl Abyss. And it's got a, the same kind of feel as Chernobyl, the, T, the HBO TV show, except it's from a different perspective. It's from like the firefighters and some of the like civil people that were involved. And it's a feature film. So that's supposed to come out in two days called Chernobyl Abyss. And so, yeah, man, hopefully check that out. Okay. Yeah. That's, is that another Russian film? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, another okay, Russian okay. film. I was like, all right. But, um, did you, did you watch it with subtitles or did you watch it? No, dubbed? no. I watched it with subtitles. Right. Like I tried to get the experience of what, like watching it for the first time. Like I'm not a big subtitle guy, but I enjoyed it. Like, um, like, yeah, I find dubbing just kind kind of throws me off because it just doesn't look right. It doesn't match with the mouth. It's like watching a kung fu movie from the seventies. But you know what I mean? see, when it is a kung fu movie, like well, yeah, that's but... what I like, <laughs> right? That's what I like. But yeah, with this, I tried to to do it. But like in terms of a foreign film, like I'll be honest, it's not really up there for me. Like in terms of favorite, I'll probably never rewatch this. Yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't rewatch it either. Again, I felt it kind of long. Um, if you're looking for just like if it comes out on your streaming service and you want to watch like a really nicely shot film, like it like looks pretty sure, you know, throw it on, watch it. Um, I'm not, it's not going to go into my like recommended, uh, pile of films that I would recommend. And especially for foreign films. Um, like I can see her like depending, I think if this thing, like if COVID didn't happen, she probably would have been like the next Naomi Rasmus from girl, with uh, the dragon tattoo, yeah, where yeah. you know those Sweden films did well enough that they she started getting more North American roles. Well, right? I mean, this okay, so this thing got was supposed to release, like I said, at Tribeca, so they ended up re- releasing it in Russia on the twenty third. It had uh, uh, over a million streams in Russia, and it was the highest rated film in two in, in the last two years in Russia. And when it came out on Apple TV, it was the fifth highest to rent when it came out. So it's definitely like the Russians are definitely consuming this film. Um, Just whether that translates into any North American or worldwide global capital, we'll have to see. Were you able to get any real box office numbers? I've got a budget of 2.6 and I've got 200,000 with a question mark because... Who knows? Yeah. Right? That's the thing, right? Like, this is the problem now with when things go to uh, video on demand and streaming is that it's it's much harder to get the numbers and see if they're making their money back. Yeah. And I think like, and it all depends too, like in terms, because if you think about it, like Apple would have purchased this to have the rights because this isn't on Prime because I tried to see if it was on Prime for Prime Rental. Uh, days because they had 99 cents to rent new movies but it's not on prime whatever so i had to pay for the rental on the apple tv but 
like how much revenue did they pay for that like give or take what i read today alone like amazon just paid i think it was like 150 million or 125 million for the rights of coming to america too so that way it's not going to go to theaters it's going to go to prime yeah, at yeah, the, yeah. In, in december right so, yeah they're basically already locking it down right yeah um i mean it's uh it'll be interesting to see just like how to start rating movies going forward like i know we've we've been talking about 10 in a bit and like it's you know slowly chugging away but you know batman got moved the james bond got moved i mean there's theater chains that are just closing down um it'll be interesting to see if we ever really end up in theaters or with big budget uh productions going to theater again yeah like i was reading an article today that kind of was saying how this one movie in China has now surpassed everything Tenet has done in two weekends. Oh, that wow. China is now the market, right? Well, remember we were talking about, like, wasn't it like Hocus Pocus? Mm-hmm. They, like, re-released it and it beat out Tenet. Yep. I mean, Hocus Pocus is a fantastic film. But, I mean, if you're Christopher Nolan, you're like, are you fucking serious? Hocus Pocus is beating me out? This is unacceptable. Um, I mean, this film, again, I think we've really touched on the fact it is definitely more of like a critics film. Uh, I don't really have any audience scores. It's too new. Um, but it's got an 88% from the critics. I mean, sure. I guess I can see this being nominated for best foreign at the Oscars. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're also, I feel like we're in this world where there's not a lot of stuff coming out. Right. So we're a bit thirsty and hungry for like new content and some of this stuff is being held back uh stuff's not being made you know los angeles and stuff like that is just not you know hollywood's not producing right now um it's sort of like if you go back to what we talked about with greyhound when you're like so would you nominate it for anything and we did the normal like this this and you're like yeah but there's no competition you're like fuck it everybody gets a nomination you it's like oprah you get a nomination you get a nomination you get a nomination yeah but that's that's the thing if you think about it we're we're in October. You got two and a half months left terms in terms of like um, releasing a film. So it is nominated. I did read. I don't know what it is, but they did change the rules for this year. Oh, for ter- the Oscars? In terms of what I think drive-in theaters now uh, will count. Well, and they may have reduced the amount of time because there used to be like a much larger window of how like how long it had to be on screens. Uh, and so that might have been uh, shortened. I'll have to look that up, and maybe we'll talk about that on our next episode. Mm-hmm. Anyway, man, that's it. Uh, would you recommend Sputnik? I would. Like, it's like in terms of how did I like that movie? Like, I did like it, but it's not one that it's not a fave, right? Like, it is good. I, I do think people should experience it for for doing it and for what they were able to accomplish. Um, but I would definitely recommend it over Species. Do you do you think we missed the mark uh, picking these two films for our their, for them to represent aliens in our Halloween episodes? Did we miss the mark? Um. Yes. Yes. We should have done the thing. Yeah, could have done the thing. We could have done fucking anything. <laughs> I don't know. When Scott gives you guys our uh, our Twitter stuff, uh, tell us what we should have done. All right. Like, yeah, it was too early to do aliens because we already did aliens. But fuck, we could have done Event Horizon. So many options. Anyway, that's all for me. Scott, why don't you take us out of here? Well, that is a wrap on this rant. So we hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on whatever you're listening on. 
And if you want to interact with us on Twitter, our handle is at how'd you like that one or email at how do you like that movie at gmail.com. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.